Hey friends, welcome back to the Health Freak Podcast, your favorite resource for all things health and wellness, where I bring you interesting, exciting, insightful, thought-provoking conversations and monologue episodes about not just nutrition, but fitness and mental health and spirituality and environmental health and all the things that we can do to lead us to having a more mindful existence. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and to be open to learning about all these topics that maybe you're not used to really thinking about. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was to provoke thought in people and provoke thought in you guys as to how we can go about just living our best lives. So today's episode is really fun. I'm bringing you guys a really passionate and fun discussion that I had with my best friend, my oldest friend of over 25 years, Michelle Perlongo. So Michelle is a licensed mental health counselor and she works here in Staten Island as a psychotherapist in a private in a private practice. And Michelle specializes in disordered eating in teenagers, and she works primarily with children, also with adults dealing with conditions from anxiety to depression and obsessive compulsive disorder. And she also has worked within the foster care system. So the other cool thing is that Michelle recently became certified in Reiki level one healing. So I'm sure I'm going to have to bring her back on for a part two to talk about that kind of stuff, because that's going to be really fun. Um, And, you know, Michelle's just an all around great resource for all things mental health and beyond. She's always down for a fun and thought-provoking conversation. And I do want to preface this episode by letting you know that we did drop a bunch of F-bombs. So maybe, you know, hold off on this if your kids are present or anybody who is sensitive to a little bit harsher language. So in this episode, we dive into the subject of perfectionism. So we're talking all about what that means, what it means to have a perfectionist personality, how those traits can begin developing in childhood, and why it can develop. All the things that may lead to us developing perfectionist personality traits. We talk about how those traits can show up as early as young children and teenagers and the types of behaviors and obstacles that it can lead to as we get older. So we also get into some ways we can prevent these traits from manifesting and some tools that we can use to help overcome being a serial perfectionist. So this one is jam-packed. We talked about so much stuff. It's really, really great. And I do want to also say that we, you may notice um, some volume differences on this episode. So Michelle came over to record this and we had kind of a two girls, one mic situation, um, but it shouldn't really be too much of a problem. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, like always, please feel free to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave me some ratings, some reviews, all the good stuff. And let's get right into this episode with my best friend, Michelle Perlongo. Michelle, why don't you give us an introduction, who you are, what you do, your job title, and who you work with primarily? Sure. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I've been in this field for eight years. And I work primarily in private practice as a active psychotherapist. I work with adults, children, um, youngest of four. Oh, wow. And then I, right now I'm working very heavily with teens and adolescents, like adolescent girls. Yeah. So with kids and teens, like how do they end up in therapy? Like I'm sure none of them ask to come or maybe they do, but like what are some of the things that lead them there in the first place? You know, it's actually a really good question. Some of them... It's like a nice mixed bag. Some of them come from their school counselors. Like a lot of kids have like school counseling already and then they're referred there for something that can't be handled in school. Mm. A lot of them are there due to their parents thinking they need to be. And another group actually is you'd be surprised how many young kids ask to come. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I remember my mom brought us to therapy like once when we were kids, I think it was me and my sister, and we were like, what the fuck is this? And we were just, like, playing with the toys, and then we never went back. That's, so I can't imagine, like... <laughs> that's really interesting, because I've always wanted to go. When I was a kid, like, I wanted to go, and I asked my mom in the third grade, and she actively said no. She, yeah, like, I threw a fit. Yeah. She threw a fit. She was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and I remember being like, wow, so... But I feel what like... next? <laughs> I feel like in this age, therapy is becoming more and more of a go-to uh, thing and, like, wellness. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not as, like... It used to be, like, hush-hush, I feel like. If you were in therapy, like, you would never talk about it. Or, like, people wouldn't really suggest to their friends or family. Like, now I'm like, well, why don't you just go to therapy? Like, you know? But I feel like it wasn't always like that. You know? Well, what I find actually is really 
nice is a lot of young like younger siblings like follow their older siblings so if they have older Mm. siblings that's in therapy like our practice has a lot of like family in that way like yeah three kids see this one parents see that one so that's where some kids get it from actually like oh they're modeling their sibling yeah yeah so what are some like of the main reasons that kids come to therapy kids or teenagers that's very like like a broad question but there's a lot of reasons why like family stuff yeah, I mean, you're kind of typical, like, parents going through divorce. Yeah, like, yeah. divorce and moving is a big one. Um, a lot of just having a lot of, like, acting out behaviors mm. in school, like, kind of stemming from ADHD. Some kids have, like, straight-up anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And teens have, like, their own thing, whether it's, like, self-esteem issues in school with friends and issues with parents, like, not getting along with parents. Yeah. So we're going to talk a lot about one of the issues, which is perfectionism. And so... Is that something you see a lot in kids? I actually primarily work a lot with perfectionism because I kind of specialize in eating disorders mm. and I've been in the eating disorder range for my entire career of eight years. Yeah. Um, and I think perfectionism is the core of that and perfectionism is the core of a lot of OCD symptoms, obsessive yeah. compulsive disorder with young kids and teenagers, especially girls. Perfectionism for sure with young young girls. So how would you define perfectionism or be able to identify it if somebody's not sure that that's what their problem is? I would describe it professionally as the inability to be flexible, mm. the inability to make a mistake and move forward without guilt or like anxiety provoking behavior like behaviors to do the next thing yeah out of urgency and trying to like always be all or nothing yeah yeah you're all in and you're all out yeah so how early can this start like what's the earliest you see kids starting to develop perfectionist i guess behavior so i would describe perfectionism as a personality trait yeah and your personality affects how you kind of move in the world of how you adapt and how you kind of relate to others and how you relate to yourself and your identity so if you identify yourself as someone who always does everything right if you don't that means you did everything wrong Uh, if you did everything wrong now you have anxiety and now you don't know how to handle things but i think the youngest i would see it really stems from the anxiety children feel when their parents are perfectionists so i can see perfectionism within the ages of five or six and then if that doesn't get directed, it just grows and grows and grows. And, like, perfectionism people will put them also in places that validate perfectionism. Yeah. Right? Where it's, like, high academia. Yeah. Um, very high athletics, where it's very much, like, pass or fail, you're good, you're bad. Yeah. Another thing that I was thinking about was that I feel like it used to be, I don't know when or why or what, but I feel like to say, like, oh, I'm a perfectionist used to be, like, a good thing. It used to be, like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. like. You must work hard or you must, like, have a lot of, quote, success or whatever. But now I think we're more aware of, like, mental health issues to say, like, that's not a good thing. Which is nice. But I I do think that it's still seen as a, um, like, a drive towards how people actually gauge their success. Mm. Which is interesting because they feel like I'm a perfectionist. And they kind of say it sometimes and they smile about it. Like, without even, even awareness sometimes that it, like, affects them negatively. Yeah. Um, because it's just seen as the reason why they're successful. Yeah, yeah. Because and, they're always trying to be perfect. Yeah. And then if you're always perfect, then, you know, what's the opposite? Then you're never not. Yeah, yeah. So if, that if one sense, thing isn't perfect, then they're like, I I'm terrible. Suck. Yeah. Right. It's so all or nothing. But it that's something I try to always break is the idea that it's a good thing. Yeah. So do you think that with kids, something that can... I don't know, sway away from kids becoming perfectionists is a language we use to them. And like, yeah. because I know that certain things that I'm seeing this now, especially having Charlie and like really considering the way I plan to do things and speak to her, like language sticks. Like mm-hmm. I remember being told like for no reason that I can remember, like you're not good at math. And my whole life I was like, well, I'm not good at math. Turns out I'm actually really good at math and told I wasn't good at science and I fucking love science. So Language really sticks. So I feel like if you, and you tell me what you think, but if you tell a kid you're great at this, then they're going to go for a long time always wanting to live up to that. Sure. You know? Yeah. Where do you go from great? Yeah. Right? Like, you know, like it's kind of like, you know, if you're always a 95 student, you can't get a 94. Yeah. 
because then you're not like, oh, you can do better than this. Okay, but you didn't on this one day, right? Yeah. Like, it's very much like, I don't, when we were growing up, you know, we were always in high academic yeah. classes, like from first grade on, right? Right, And I always feel like that was the start of like, you can't fail. Yeah. Like, you're not able to make a mistake. Like, we were in junior high, like 75 is failing. 75 is average. Yeah. So we were told that being average was not good enough. Yeah. Is that a wild concept? It's crazy. And I think about that, like, how did we have like 101 average? Right. I don't remember giving that much effort. Right. Like, but, to be honest, yeah. but, like, if we had gotten anything, like, we even even saw other kids with, like, 80 average, and we're like, ooh. Yeah, we were like, like mm, yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, the same thing, and to be honest, nobody put that pressure on me but me. Like, my mom didn't do that. She was never, like, you better be perfect or get amazing grades. Like, she was, like, try your best, whatever. But I feel like in our generation, there was, like, almost no. a benign neglect. Yeah, well, <laughs> my, because my parents were. Like, I, think, I don't think they started out that way, but I think when you gradually just... You're like, oh, this is just how she performs. Like, oh, yeah. you're always a 90, 90, 95 student. It's just the expectation. Yeah. So you, if you come home with a failing grade, it's like, what happened? And then the kid has to be like, I don't know. I yeah. studied and I, maybe you had a bad day. You're, that's the whole point of perfectionism. You're not allowed to have a bad day. Yeah. And then we were in those classes that are like special this or gifted that. Right. And you always want to be able to live up to that because basically where do you go from there? If you drop exactly. down, like you're a loser yeah. like, in your head. It's so all or nothing yeah. in that way. And we were always told like, oh, you're an example like yeah. i don't know i'm just a 12 year old kid like yeah. yeah so do you think a lot of do you see a lot of kids whose parents put pressure on them a hundred percent it's again that language that like you're not allowed to make a mistake yeah. like they're always like but i know they can do better it's like okay but maybe they don't want to today yeah like i don't know like maybe they have something else going on right or it's like what if being average is just okay like i it's like when this parent realizes that they this is just their level you know, like they have a high high reading level, or even when they were younger, say if they always reached out milestones on time, like the, the anxiety about the next one yeah. is that it has to be the same yeah. way the first one was. Yeah, I can see that. Even myself, and I feel like I'm very aware, and I'm always like, Joe and I talk all the time, like, let's make sure we don't use this language or say this thing or talk bad about our body, you know, things like that. But I, Charlie is like really smart, mm-hmm. and like she's expressive, and like, in my head, I could already see myself being trying not to label her as expressive or as sm- even smart sure. or as anything. And I'm always reminding myself, like, yeah, she has fun with music right now. She loves to sing and dance. But don't put that expectation on her or myself to have a child who is like that forever because she's one. Right. You know what I mean? And I just feel like I have to constantly remind myself of that now. So do you think that parents sometimes live through their kids and their kids' achievements? Sure. I have a... Absolutely. And yeah. I, I even as... Say, I have, a, I have a, actually something sticking out to me where I have like a lot of kids obsessed with time mm. and I think that's because parents like are always like we're late we're late we're late and then like late is a sign of like not good enough because now, yeah. now it's like this bad thing that you're late and I'm not saying it's okay to be late to things <laughs> which I'm late to everything but what um, I'm saying I just is I want to pause like... and say that Michelle Renee Palongo is chronically late to everything forever <laughs> to everything. Um, time is apparently a what is it a suggestion yeah <laughs> yes yeah, it's, um, it's a suggestion because why stick in these boxes yeah but what I'm saying is we put pressure. It's just pressure on a yeah. five-year-old kid to be, forget about on time to be early, and to do this all the time, to yeah. make this a routine where that's unrealistic. Because what if you have to, like, go to the bathroom? Now that's when it gets into, like, with little kids because you can't control that. But say if, like, you are running five minutes behind, the parent rather put the pressure on the kid yeah. to basically, like, you did this to us. Yeah. You're the reason why we're late. And the kid's yeah. like, well, I didn't mean to have to go to the bathroom yeah. today. Like, at 11.30. No, they have to be somewhere at 12. And, like, that's where, that's actually, I think, a big piece of when it starts is with time and numbers for kids because numbers are very tangible. Yeah. You know, so that's, like, a small example of, like, just unrealistic pressure. You're never going to be on time all the time. Yeah. So in the kids that you see and the teenagers that you work with, is it primarily, like, school-related pressures? that cause these like or that is where this shows up like perfectionism or is it generally all over their life school is a huge one and then also i think like the school and sports like there's a lot of rigid sports like dance um gymnastics and wrestling are huge rigid they're all about perfection yeah like gymnastics is like all or nothing like ballet it's all or nothing and i do see especially with young girls i see a very strong pattern of gymnastics dance and and actually i'm female wrestling mm. um that creates that probably has pressure high rigidity female in exactly area, yeah know? that's a whole thing yeah. but just the idea that these are sports that are defined by perfection yeah and 
only a perfectionistic personality would even do that sport. Yeah. Only somebody that really wants to be validated by their perfection. Yeah. And that's the piece is that they're validated by it. And like, this is my identity and I did a great job. I didn't do a good job's not good enough. Yeah. That's the whole thing about not being good enough. You're either great or you're terrible. Yeah. And then I think there's language in the home from parents where I'm a big believer of like no generalizing language. So like if your kid makes their bed four out of the five times, most parents would be like, you never make your bed. And the kid literally is like, I just did it all week. I had yeah. a bad day. And then it's just that language of generalizing, like all nothing all the time. Yeah. That's really not human. Like it's, yeah. it's generally not behavior. Like there's no way. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. So... Who do you think is most likely? Can anyone... Do you think some kids are less likely to develop these tendencies, even if their parents put pressure on them? Are there some kids that you see that that parents put pressure on them, but they're just like, whatever, I don't care? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. I cause, Because I feel like it's a piece of your personality, I think that it, it thrives. It has the ability to thrive in the home, yeah, if yeah. that's also the pattern of, like, the way at least one parent is. Yeah. Um, And then I do think it's also if they have, like high academic teachers like children kind of need to val be validated by adults and adults in like power and yeah. like authority so coaches teachers parents like they're very um similar in how the child wants their attention and wants their approval yeah so you could actually have very nurturing parents and you could they definitely support the perfectionism in a way they even if they come into there and be like oh my kids like really stressed out about this but if they have, like, a terrible coach or yeah. if they have, like, if they're in, like, straight high academia classes, they're going to believe their teachers and their coaches actually more than their parents. Yeah. Because, again, that's validating the personality. Yeah. And I do think it, it is your personality. And that's, like, a whole thing in psychology. Like, your, I think your personality is your worldview. Yeah. You know, like, two people can see the same event and feel about oh, it completely yeah. different. Definitely. Is that a big, um, like, point of oh, question or yeah, whatever? Yeah, it really is. It is huge. Because yeah. once this is a piece of your personality, um, it's harder to use coping mechanisms. It's harder to even change the insight that, like, hey, like, there's another way to be. Do you think, <laughs> I just thought of this, do you think that education in general can lead to perfectionism just because of grades and... Well, we're I mean, seeing that completely with the virtual situation. Yeah. I mean, how some kids... So transitions are really really hard for kids transitions are hard for adults yeah. like moving transition job to job transition quarantine transition right some people generally adapt better than others again it's a piece of your personality being flexible is a yeah. big piece of adapting transitions where people have a lot of anxiety kids transition all the time from milestone That's to true. milestone they're always going from, always going from you, really from when you're like born to like 21 you're, it's a world of transitions yeah. so you know, like the virtual learning has shown a lot of kids have actually liked it better and have higher grades and more success because they could do it on their time. Yeah. They don't have to get up at a certain time. Like if you're a morning person, you thrive in the morning. But like if a kid is not, they generally won't do well yeah. in school, yeah. you know, like attention and things like that. Like a lot of kids have actually had success, which is why a lot of people, even though it's like inconvenient, like I've yeah. seen a lot of kids actually like want to do it again. Yeah. So it is interesting. Like, I think it goes yeah. to show that kids learn differently, and this is something that people have been talking about forever. Like, right. Not, you don't learn the same as I do. You know, somebody might thrive in a classroom, and somebody straight up might not. Like, yeah. they do not enjoy that environment. They don't thrive in that. So I've been interested to see how this whole virtual learning situation has affected some kids, because I know some kids definitely need that classroom environment for whatever reason, special needs or anything like that. But then I'm like, there has to be kids that are like, thriving right now yeah i mean a lot of kids have social anxiety where yeah. they can't concentrate in the classroom because they're so activated yeah because they're so anxious about being around people not to say that they can't work through that but what you're quite asking really is the rigidity of the eight to two monday through friday does yeah. that create the pressure i i think so yeah and when you have especially when you get older and you have different teachers you have like five six different yeah. teachers who you now have to prove yourself to perfect example like this is a really good example. I know we're kind of going off, but Whatever. we went to the same schools. My sister went to the same school. Me and my sister have completely different experiences. We were in the high academic classes. We actually had teachers that, like, pushed us and motivated us. My sister didn't. Like, yeah. she was in the lower level, you know, of the classes. She had an IEP. Like, her third grade teacher literally made her, like, sit out in gym and, like, do math when, like, oh, everyone no. else got to play. 
<laughs> like that's just what to show you that it's like not every teacher is a good teacher. Yeah. So it's like low yeah, self esteem. No, like you're bad at math. Like you like it's like you're told you're you're told these things and they carry with you. Yeah. Like yeah. So when a kid develops uh, perfectionist <laughs> personality traits, what can it lead to down the line? Like as a teenager, as an adult, even as a parent eventually. Sure. So there's a kind of a clear direction, I think. Most of it does end up with eating disorders mm-hmm. in teenagers. Um, just because, think about it, you weren't able to control anything your whole life. Now you're out of school, you have high school, you have some autonomy. The first thing you crave is to control your food. Yeah. It's very, very much a coping skill. And that starts with per- perfection because it's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this the best. Defying science, like yeah. defying things, right? Like, Kids that get 102 averages, they're defying everyone else. Yeah. So I think that's a big piece of it. And I think in adulthood, you see a lot of, like, obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. Then there's obsessive-compulsive disorder. They're actually two different things. Oh, really? Totally two different things. Um, But I don't think, like, obsessive-compulsive disorder thrives without the personality piece. Yeah. Um, But you don't have to have both. But Interesting. A lot of, like, just high-rigid, you know, just rigidity and the inability to be flexible which creates a lot and a lot of anxiety yeah so it does show up differently in ages but it's kind of like this clear direction mm-hmm. of like this lack of control because you just want to control everything yeah yeah so eating disorders or anxiety and anxiety about not being able to control things. yeah and then that leads to obsessive compulsive disorder where all you're doing is controlling these little things because you can't control anything else yeah so can you tell me the difference between obsessive compulsive Personality mm-hmm. disorder and OCD? Sure. So obsessive-compulsive personality disorder is the idea that my personality tells me that I can't rest and I can't be flexible with things I cannot change. Mm. So kind of like, I have it, right? So you live with me. I have things in their spot. Yeah, That's yeah. just in their spot. And if you move it, I'm going to move it back. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just how I like it. And I'm fine with it. I'm not going to, like, this is it. Yeah. A lot of people, like, in relationships that creates arguments, right? Because it's not your way. Your way isn't a better way. It's not a good way. It's not a, it's not the only way. Yeah. It's just your way. But the idea that your way is the best way. And the best way is the only way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So obsessive compulsive disorder is... I'm kind of, I'm sure, like, what people know of, like, hand-washing and rituals and, like, okay, I have to tap this nine times or something bad's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But there's also a lot more of just these ruminative thoughts, and people just have very, very, very intense, intrusive thoughts, and then there's compulsive behaviors that people do to control those thoughts. Got it. So it's a lot more intense. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely more intense because you think something bad is going to Mm -hmm. happen if you don't perform this ritual. Yes. So those are those intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Like, like, uh overwhelmingly intrusive thoughts. I mean, we're, yeah, people that don't function. You just, it, it's, it's, or you are functioning with these thoughts in your head and that's yeah. where all the compulsive behaviors come in to control them. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. So if you have a kid, say if you're a parent, you have a kid or a sibling or somebody that you're watching out for, what are some things you can look for to say, okay, this kid's starting to exhibit some traits of really being perfectionist? You know, just the kids get really, really, really high anxiety um whether they're like performing or they have tests right like just the idea that i can't fail at this yeah um time is a real big one kids and kids with um perfectionists actually have a very very much a fascination with numbers because mm. numbers are predictable yeah. so you know most kids if they're in some sort of competitive dance or they're in high academic classes, it's just the idea that they like this environment, that I'm kind of validated on my, um, what do you call it? Like, my level of, like... Achievement? Achievement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, that, like I said, it could start early as five, and then just notice, like, okay, do they always have to have this thing a certain way? And is there yeah. a certain way, the only way that they could be comfortable? Yeah. Right? Like, is your, is your kid coming home with a 82 and upset? Or are they, like, you know upset to lose a game like how do you respond as a parent to that yeah do you get mad at them for losing yeah what about in like older teens rather yeah. than young kids like what kind of behaviors do they do i can only speak for myself and i never really saw myself as a perfectionist until i kind of looked back and started thinking about what you said like the education we got the classes we took and the language that was used to us gifted advanced all the things like that that I guess never I never realized I internalized and mm-hmm. associated with my identity 
until I was like, no, there's nothing all that advanced right. about me. I'm pretty average and I'm totally cool with that. But I'm 33 and I've done a lot of uh, internal work, <laughs> I guess you could say. But like in teenagers, like, for example, I was crazy. Like I had a really bad attitude beyond like with my family and stuff like that. But I feel like it was the pressure that I put on myself. So aside from like eating disorders, what do other stuff do teens do? Like, what are the extreme things that you're seeing that parents can watch out for? Like a lot of isolation. Yeah. So sometimes like even like a very high perfectionist, they may not even be able to have friends. Yeah. Yeah. In that way. Or are all their friends just like them or all their friends like validate this idea that like we're all going to get into these great colleges. Right. Like there's a lot of levels of it. Isolation is one. Like, I know I was that teen. Yeah. Like, I was just, like, in my room. Me and too. I Yeah, and, like, but school was, like, my identity. Yeah. Until I remember getting to high school and being like, I don't want to do this anymore. But yeah. it was, like, totally all or nothing. Then I went to nothing. Yeah, I went yeah. from caring, like, 110% and then not caring at all. Yeah. So that all or nothing thinking is, like, okay, when your kid's not succeeding, that's when we have to watch out for them. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Because they're going to do whatever it is to get that back. A lot of acting out, a lot of rebellion, you know, in, in teenagers, like, like you said, we both didn't have, we had both had attitudes and, like, not great relationships yeah. at home, right? That's, like, another thing. Like, where does the kid release all of that anger? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, from the parents' perspective now. Like, if I, if Charlie's, like, 12 and she comes home and she's, like, normally, like, pretty chill and sweet and then she goes into being isolated like I was and having a bad attitude or, like I did, and threaten to kill everyone in the house yeah. on a daily basis, <laughs> should I say... Hmm, maybe she's under like too much pressure because yeah. I just also want to say that I have taught piano lessons to kids for years and I, I feel like I could identify this and I'm absolutely not any sort of mental health professional. These kids who are really over scheduled and who absolutely. are expected to perform well in all the 10, 12 things that they're doing, they don't even have time for their homework. Do you think that's a problem? A hundred percent. Like, yeah. literally, sometimes I even get, like, clients who be like, oh, this, like, sh- we can only do this time at this date because, you know, she has a hundred things going on. It's like, all right. All right. Yeah. Like, you know, like, that we is a big piece of the problem. Down. Yeah, like, a kid that has, like, CCD on Wednesday, art on this day, dance on this day, softball on this day, like, theater on this day. Like, yeah. you can't be great at everything. Yeah. Like, that's just not, that's the whole point is that it's not realistic. Yeah. And you're right, kids are un- like, that's the whole piece of the per- the perfectionism, that they're going to be unbelievably scheduled. Yeah. Like, and they want to be, right? And that's the whole thing. It's like, they want to fit into this worldview that this is where I belong. Yeah. Whether, like, their house is like that, or, like, kind of like what you said, right? Like, you you did all that stuff actually to get out of your house. Yeah. Right? Like, all that stuff of, like, all the things you were in was yeah. because it kept you busy. Yeah. Right? Definitely. So that's a big flop to that, too. Like, there's a reason why this kid wants to be in all these things. Nobody wants to be out of their house from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Yeah. Like, intentionally. Yeah. Right? And then all these other things, like, can you fail at that? You can't fail gymnastics. This kid that has a 99 average, yeah, of course they're going to be in, gym- in gymnastics. Yeah. Right? Like, they're, of course they're going to be in things that are judged by their achievement. Yeah. Do yeah. you ever give advice to parents? Like, when you meet with the kids, is that part of your job? All the time. Yeah. Like, do you say, like, maybe we should cut back from five activities to three or two? Yeah. I mean, so say if, like, even what you said, right? Like, most of my job is working with parents because, like, this is your home. Like, I only see your kid, like, 45 minutes out of the week. Like, this is you, right? So, like you said, Charlie's 12. She comes home. She has a bad attitude. Like, what do you say to her? Are you mad at her? Like, that's a big thing, right? Are you mad that she came home nasty? Do you say she has no respect? Do you say that she's not, like, treating you well? Now she's like, shit, I'm a shitty student. I'm a shitty shitty dancer. Now I'm a shitty kid. Now I can't do anything right. Yeah. Right? So the language is huge. Like, a big piece of perfectionism, it comes from the idea that you cannot fail. You can't. You just can't. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is, like, it has to be okay to fail. You have to be okay to make mistakes. So, like, even when she's five and she makes a huge mess, but she's happy. I'm sorry, but no, it's on you to like check your shit. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that yeah. like, okay, if it, like then develop something new, develop a space that she can play and create and she can yeah. express herself. Yeah. That way that she doesn't feel like it's wrong to be herself. Yeah. If I that saw makes something. Sense. It definitely makes sense. I saw something that said, or a video, something I saw that said, if your kid, a little kid, they spill stuff all right. the time. Like, if they spill something, don't say, oh, look what you did. Exactly. Like, now let's clean it up. Something, Say something like, oh, the milk spilled, let's clean it up. Like, exactly. don't place the blame on them. And that's what I said before about the general language. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. so so kind of like I was saying, if a parent has, like, OCPD, right, and that's their personality, so it's like, I don't like messes, but I have a white rug. 
Yeah. Okay, I can't fathom that, right? Yeah. Now, that's the things that I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's not unrealistic. This is a kid. Yeah. Or, like, they buy a dog, and then they're, like, mad at the kid for wanting the dog because the dog shed, and it's like, hi. Dog like, again, shed. right, now you're trying to create a world that doesn't exist. Yeah. And kids cannot live up to adult expectations. Yeah. They can't see past themselves. That's the whole point of so the way their brain works. So we blame our parents for everything? It's, that's, like, the biggest thing. But that's the whole point of why parents really, like, resistant parents do not want to bring their kids into therapy. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't because want to be told it's their level, fault. Yeah, they don't want to have to change anything themselves. Right, or admit that there's something they could have done differently. Yeah. So what can we do? Like, when when, when kids or even teens start to, to show these personality traits, what can we do for them? Like, as parents, how can we... Because we're all going to make mistakes, you know unintentionally or just because whatever but what can we do now like say again to use charlie as an example say she starts acting like she's a perfectionist or has those traits at the age of like eight what can i do as her mom to kind of like chill her out a little bit let her know it's okay to fail and it doesn't have anything to do with her identity so the first thing is that she matches your energy so if you're okay to make mistakes and if you're okay to fail then it's okay to fail Yeah, yeah like the worldview that you have in your home is what she's gonna adapt to yes. so like say if you make a dinner and it doesn't come out well do you sit there and like have a shitty meal or do you just like make the best of it you know yeah. like can you make the best out of a not best situation yeah. like if you generally at a young age teach your kids okay to be late we don't love being late but it's okay to not be okay yeah like that's the balance that has to happen in the home to have a healthy flexibility yeah. right like is it okay to like okay have a bad day is it okay to want to be isolated for a day? Yeah. That's fine. 11, like, two days, not so, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you have to gauge that, but also make it okay to not be okay. Yeah. Just room for failure. Yeah. And, like, lead by example, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what everything, honestly, comes down to. Right. Yeah. I mean, because it's your, you're setting the tone. Yeah. Yeah. She's not going to know something she's not shown or exactly taught. right so when i have kids that come in and they're like hyper focused on time it's because your parents are a kid doesn't think to be hyper focused on time the yeah. bell rings the kids don't really know how to tell time at four you just know like you know what i mean you just know it's time to go when the bell rings yeah yeah so what if a kid's in high school and they're nervous about like sats or some other shit we all know doesn't really right. account for much but the pressure's on for them and they feel that how can we put them at ease still encourage them to study and try their best but not attach their worth to that outcome yeah that's the whole point that your worth is not you know gauged on your outcome yeah it's gauged on like the fact that you just did the thing right yeah. and like that's as adults too like we are so hyper focused on the outcome yeah and i'm sure you see that with like weight training or like weight loss right yeah. and like i've seen that too working in weight loss for three four years like you know so focused on the outcome you're completely dismissing all the work you did in between and yeah. that's kids right like if you study for this test and you didn't get a great grade but you pass. They're not focusing on the fact that they passed. Yeah. They only see the grade. And that's the whole thing that is the disconnect. Because that happens in colleges and adults yeah. too. Like, if they don't get a promotion that they went for or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, this is only my personal view on, like, how education is laid out. Is it's too focused on the, the answer or the outcome. Right. And, and to me, this is my personal opinion. I think... And now a lot of people, especially recent years, have talked shit about school in general. Oh, F college, forget college, you don't need this, you don't need that. But I think the biggest part of going to school is just to learn how to learn. Like, just to learn how to begin to understand different concepts. Even if they don't mean anything to you, it doesn't matter. It's just that you have to learn how to learn. And now, talking in this conversation, learn how to learn without attaching yourself to how well you learn that thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what's really interesting about college is, like, I see a lot of high school kids, and, like, this is my major. And I'm like, okay, but you know that could change, right? Yeah. It's a foreign concept. And yeah. I think that's wild to me because my what I do now is not what I went to yeah, school yeah. for at all. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I, I tell my teenagers that all the time. And I give them that of, like, I don't care. And I tell I'll say that straight up. Like, I don't care if this is what your parents think. I'm like, yeah. This is how people become miserable because they get into this, like, just using education as a piece, right? You went to school for finance, so you became an accountant, but you hate being an accountant, but you studied for it for five years. You couldn't fathom not being an accountant. Yeah. Like, why did you, quote, unquote, waste your time right. or waste your money? Right. And then if parents say that, then it's like that pressure of, like, oh, well, we paid for this. Yeah. Right? And I think a lot of that is, like, societal conditioning. Like, sure. you're supposed to go and major. Like, I've taught piano kids who are, like, 
16, 17, starting to think about college, and they're freaking the F out. They're like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I'm like, newsflash, <laughs> me either. Yeah. Like, we're all just floating around. <laughs> and, like, something I think is important is to, like, just personally, like, what I do and what I plan to encourage Charlie to do is just to follow what she likes at that time. And not to just float around forever and be re- be like Eric Matthews about it. Yeah, no. But, like... <laughs> no, it's just, like, the room to figure it out. Like, yeah, like it take out. a fucking photography class if you want, even though you're not good at it, but you're here and you might as well do it now. You know, no, things like yeah. that. Like, that's another thing that happens with kids. It's, like, parents don't... I think it has a lot to with money, too. You know, like... Very affluent. Right, yeah. So, like, say if they, you know, signed up for softball and their kid hates it. Now the kid's forced to do it because they get the pressure on their parents because they paid for it. Yeah. And then a year later, they really want to try something else. And then their parents say, well, you didn't do that last year. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't, like, a perfectionist piece, but it comes into the idea of just, like, it's not okay to try. Yeah. Right? Like, we're not going to try something even though we don't know if we're going to be good at it. And I think that happens a lot with adults, too. Like, That's oh, true. I would, I want to take a ballroom dancing class or whatever. I'm not going to be good at it. Yeah. It's just the event itself or the experience itself isn't what, isn't, like, what you're looking at. You're looking at your achievement. Yeah. Like, am I going to be good at this? Yeah. What's the point if I'm not good at right. it? Right. So no like, one's going to try. Yeah. Just to have fun with it. Yeah. Like, the idea of, is completely taken. Like, fun is completely taken out of it. Like, I say that to a lot to my kids that are in, like, these rigid sports. And I'm like, do you even like this? Yeah. I'm like, you come in every week complaining that you're exhausted. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, taking a break isn't even an option for these kids. Sometimes they, like, they're through the summer. They all these breaks. And I'm like, you you sleep like this is wild like you you work more than your parents yeah it's true you're out of the house when you're in the house that's not okay yeah i mean i know that i mean and like i said my mom never put pressure on me she was like try what you want if you like it cool if not she's like if you're not having fun with it she always said if you're not having fun with it it's not worth it if you don't enjoy it it's not worth it but me I now looking back know I was perfectionist personality because I joined things I absolutely hated and Mm -hmm. stuck it out. I never quit a thing. I was in that freaking marching band for three and a half years. Competitive marching band. Looking back, cool. It was fun. I made friends, blah, blah, blah. We traveled. But I hated every one of those rehearsals. I never wanted to go. I was like, God, I'm so tired. I want to go home. I was in high school. I had a job. I had school. I went to school in the city. Like, it was too much. It was too much. But I had this idea in my head, like, you can't quit because then you're a quitter. Mm -hmm. You're not a quitter. You know? Right. And that was so stressful to me. Just that thought alone. Forget the actual activities I was doing. So now I'm thinking, like, having a kid now, I'm like, oh, man, you better watch out for this and, like, yeah. nip that in the bud. And, like, how many times did your mom ever, like, ask you, like, hey, yeah. do you want to do this? Like, yeah. are you okay? Like, that's what parents don't ask. Yeah. No, yeah, she definitely was like, if you're not enjoying it, don't but worry about it. How about, like, is you know, she never maybe... I also think that, like, for you, like, you got lost. Like, there was so many of you. Yes, yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, for me, like, it wasn't even an option. My mother was like, "If you, no, like, we're not that type of family. Yeah, like, yeah. like, Like, we don't really do things, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't until I was in high school, I was like, I'm going to do everything that I want because I never got to do anything when I was younger. Like, yeah. it was, if you're not going to be great at this, like, we're not even going to try. Yeah. That's, like, how I mean, it was. My mom was kind of like, if it's free, go for it. Yeah. Like, whatever you want to do. Um, because there was absolutely no money to just be thrown around, but, um, most of the, those things I did were all music stuff and it was free, but yeah, she was never like, you have to stick this out. It was me. And she was like, you always do this. You always overcommit. Like you commit to the point where you hate it. And I think now that I was just being a perfectionist because I always got the grades. I always got this. And then when I went to high school, I was like, oh shit, I actually have to try. And I didn't have those grades. Yeah. My average was like 78, 80. I was, like, cutting class and doing all those things. But I think, like you said, I was just rebelling and saying, well, I'm not going to be like that now. Yeah, that's exactly what happened for me. I finally got the, like, the autonomy to, like, not give a shit. Yeah. Like, that that was a huge deal. And then my mom, I guess, like, didn't really think about me anymore in that way. Probably because, like, then my sister was, like... Yeah, the next one comes along. Yeah. And I was, like, oh, cool. Like, no one cares what I'm doing. And I was in all, all the things that my mom never put me in. Like, I was in, like, the creative writing club and I was in dance. Like, these are things I wanted to do that my mom never allowed yeah. me to. Yeah, you were in dance in yeah. high school. I went back to dancing school yeah. in high school against everyone's wishes. Like, my mom never supported anything. Yeah, like, no, she would just... No, yeah. I was, like, no, no, you don't do that. So that was, like, you know, I the perfectionism was on me. Like, I have to do this myself. Like, yeah. if I want something, like, 
like no one else is gonna help me yeah that's but look how that carries out to us as adult right like we we're kind of overworkers in that way like we you know we always pile things on we do do. yeah but now i think at least for myself like i can separate what's necessary and from what's not and now i only follow my passions like i don't do unnecessary things like i know what my missions are in life and i only go places that are in line with that so that's something I've figured out. But so as the therapist, what are the tools you give these kids that they can do on their own, like practices or anything they could do on their own to kind of like feel a little bit better or to address or even make them realize that they have this going on? You know, it's not the same for every kid. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, I'm sure. But it's kind of like, like, say if you have like a young kid that is really overworked, you just have to kind of like promote taking a break, even if it makes them anxious, even if it makes them anxious, like piss off their coach or something. It's about the fact that like most of these kids are so run down and they're exhausted and their health suffers and their grades, something has to give, right? Like, so you're doing really well at like the dance thing, like usually your grades suffer or if you're, if you have these huge tests, right? Like then that's another thing. It's like, sometimes like, oh, I have a test on this day, but I'm supposed to be at this place at this time. And like... You know, so I have a couple of kids that really stick out in my mind. And, yeah, you're right. I don't think the parents always put the pressure. But what if it's the opposite of the parents also don't give them the support yeah. that they need to say, like, hey, I noticed you need to take a break. You're taking it. I don't care. Yeah. Like, sometimes I have to tell the parents to be like, your kid's not, like, yeah. ready for this. Like, it's just, like, sometimes, again, in the transitions, it's, like, one thing after another. Yeah. Like, say if it's finals week and then it's, like, recital week and it's, like, doesn't anyone think that kids like how does the shit overlaps all the time yeah and then like on the inside as the parent it might be hard to even see yeah that and the intentions are probably really good like oh she's doing so well she must enjoy it she must love it and not to even realize like the pressure the kid feels on the inside because either way that kid's disappointing somebody they're going to disappoint their coach or their teachers or they they're going to disappoint you but they never think about disappointing themselves like you know and that's the thing about perfectionists it's like I know I, I even do this now. Like they're huge procrastinators, yes. which you would think is the opposite of a perfectionistic yes. person. But if I'm not going to do it a hundred percent, I'm not going to do it at all. Mm. So people that are perfectionists will put off like everyday tasks, say like laundry, like adults happen this all is the that time. Like rebellion. Like <laughs> it's in your head. It's <laughs> just like, how I feel. it's like if you're not going to do it a hundred percent, you're not going to do it. Yeah. And then it's kind of like a validates the idea that, Oh, I do nothing right. So I have to continue to be this perfectionist person. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it makes it your, again, like your reason why you're successful. Yeah. And that's like this cycle that adults get into. Yeah. It's like, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, how does it lead into adulthood? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, like, from a kid like taking a break and being okay to fail, being okay to make a mistake, that's what it carries over to adulthood. Yeah. Like how many adults like overwork, they don't take a day off. How many adults like if they have nine to fives, like just work all day and they don't yeah. take a lunch break. Yeah. Cause you think like, Oh, I have to do these things again. Like this idea of I have to approve somebody yeah. or like they have issues with their boss and they don't confront them. Yeah. And then they procrastinate tasks and they're up until the night before doing it. And then it's like, Oh, see, that's why I got this done. Yeah. It's like, no, you just, you waited to the last minute because you thought that you couldn't do it all 100% because you didn't want to, like, do it a little bit at a time. Mm. You didn't want to, like, do a little bit on Monday and, like, come back to it on Wednesday. Like, there's no flexibility. Yeah. Or, like, they're not going to bake a cake if they don't think it's going to come out well. There's no just, I'm just doing this to do it. Yeah. So if we kind of get control of this as kids or teenagers or young adults, whatever, it could probably prevent a lot of issues that we have as adults, even, like, overworking ourselves or um, taking jobs we don't even want or, Mm -hmm, you know, just doing things that we don't want to do because we think we have to. That's the whole thing is that you have to. Yeah. And there's a lot of shoulds. Yes. And I have this very strong theory of turning shoulds into coulds. Yes, I like that. Because shoulds is very obligatory. Like, you have to do these things. And it's like, oh, I should be married by 30 it's like oh where did that come from yeah whole new question yeah Yeah. but you if someone said oh i could do that or i could be on this team or i could be married at this age or it gives you the opportunity like just changing that word gives you like the autonomy to control the situation yeah shoulds are bullshit like shoulds shoulds, shoulds are not real there's stuff that's been told to us like with our parents like you should do this thing yeah you should get a 90 it's like okay i could that's the point right there's always a chance that these things won't happen yeah so, is there, like, one piece of advice that you would give to, let's talk to teens. Like, if a teenager is listening, if there's one piece of advice you would give them, what would it be? You know, it's, like, that's the whole point of this personality is that, like, the worldview is so strong that, like, sometimes I'll say something to a kid. I'm, like, you know, you don't, like, oh, you know, you don't have to get this grade. They're like, oh, well, you don't know if I don't do this yes, and I don't do yes. that. 
it's just the idea that it's okay if this shit does not work out yeah. the way you planned. And then, like, <laughs> do you feel because teenagers are naturally defiant? Like, sure. they're just like, fuck you, fuck this, fuck everything. That they're like, fuck you, therapist. Like, what do you know about me? You know what? I love that. I yeah. personally love working with teens. Yeah. They, like, I just find it so entertaining sometimes. Yeah. And I also f- love it that I can, like, get to them in a place that, like, you need somebody to tell you this. Every single person in your life tells you that your way of life is the right way. And that's what's terrible. It's like, these kids take, like, four AP classes. Like, that's what I mean. It's, like, wild. Like, you're, yeah. you're like, it's okay to not be on your game every day yeah it's just making it okay and i think it's just you need a safety net that it's okay to fall apart sometimes yeah Yeah. i think that's a huge thing because we're now more aware of like or more conscious of taking control of our health physically and mentally which i think is like even more important honestly because that can lead you to taking care of yourself physically but i feel like even when we were kids Things weren't talked about. It wasn't as mm-hmm. as open as things are now. Maybe that has to do with social media or the spreading of information in an easier and faster way. Um, but, yeah, if we can just make it known that, A, it's okay to fail and it's okay to be flexible, and, B, it's okay to experiment and it's okay to suck at things. That's, right? the, that's the whole point. Yeah, it's okay to experiment. It's okay to, like from the smallest thing again of like if your kid makes an egg and they get eggshells in it like all right it's okay it's really not that big right deal. it's not a big deal that's the whole thing like what's a big deal and that is where the parents come in it's like not every you have to pick your battles not everything is a big deal yeah right like these kids are applying to like 10 different colleges like 20 different colleges and they act like it's nothing i mean yeah. it's it's wild to yeah. me um that these kids have more of a life that adults do. Most yeah. of adults like just go to work and they come home, right? Yeah. Like these kids have these jam-packed schedules from five to twenty-one. Yeah, you know, and you're, and I do think it is coming around that it's like not working in anyone's favor. But yeah. for sure, virtual, like this whole piece has triggered so many kids to kind of spiral just because now they don't have all these things that are in their identity. Yeah. like we didn't have sports for all those months. Like all these dance studios right. are closed. Like they didn't have all of that stuff. So now what? Now yeah. this was your entire identity. Now what do you do? Now what do you do? And I think, and I said in another episode that kids who are bored, in my opinion, kids who are bored inevitably become more creative. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I don't know, I don't work with the kids, but maybe some of them at least with a good home environment can use that opportunity of boredom or not having their activities to get into something else. Right. And you have to, even this is carries over from adulthood to adulthood like you're more than what you do yeah who you are is not what you do yeah like you are more than your productivity your productivity does not define you yes like i'm a like a huge supporter of that like you said like if a supportive home environment is that means that that house is going to have things to entertain that kid or they're going to have people that a kid wants to hang out with like if that kid's an isolated kid and they're you know they find themselves in school and their activities you know that's a huge indicator that they're only comfortable with themselves outside of the home yeah but they don't have anyone to relate to in the home like if every person is in a separate room for six months what does that mean right yeah. like this sub siblings in their room this siblings in their room they're you know dad's working from home downstairs you know like no one's in interacting with each other yeah. this is why they're so like attached to their outside world and that's yeah. why they need their outside world to exist that exists at the best yeah that's the only thing that makes sense yeah so maybe this whole situation with, with virtual learning and things being ripped away from kids that they're so used to will, I don't know, I mean, I hope that it will spur some sort of change in the way we put pressure on kids or force them into things they don't want to do. Maybe even just asking them what they want to do. Well, that this has been a huge thing for like the this has been really not you know a, a strong negative shift for perfectionist kids because now it doesn't matter how the work you do like yeah. now it doesn't matter how great you are this is the first time that like uh you know they took away the SATs they took away all of these like accolades that these kids define themselves in so yeah. now like everyone's getting a 95 in yeah. like whatever yeah. right so now these kids are like why do I work so hard and sometimes I'm like yeah why do you work so hard yeah what is the point of that what yeah. are you holding on to Like, you're holding on to this identity, and that's my issue. Like, this cannot be your identity, because this is unrealistic identity. It can be taken from you at any point. Like, look at what we have. Like, how many jobs have been ripped from people? Yeah. Yeah, things people worked forever for. Now they're like, well, now who am I? Right. Um, And I think I mentioned that in an earlier episode, too, is to not attach yourself, but only speaking as an adult, only not attach yourself to what you do. 
Um, and I didn't even really think about as if that pertains to kids, you know, attaching themselves to their grades or their, their achievements or whatever. Because I, looking back, I definitely did that. Like, I know I did. And I never really realized it before. Like, no, I know I did. Like, oh, I'm the, I'm, especially my family. Yeah. Because I had a big family, a lot of siblings. Everybody was running away, doing the crazy things. And I was the good one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the one that never got caught, honestly. Right. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... I, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I can't fuck up now because I'm the good one. Like, I have to maintain that. And I, I would think now, like, if, if this had happened in high school for me, I would have been a hot, hot mess. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known what to do with myself. I was always like, well, I have to study music. I have to study music because it's what I've always done. Mm-hmm. Like, what else is there? We had to dismantle everything as adults. And mm-hmm. I just hope that in the future, we kids that become adults don't have to do that as much. Like, that's my biggest hope for Charlie is to... Is for her to not have to undo all the shit right. that was done as she grew up. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's unrealistic, but I'm sure I'm going to mess her up in some way. <laughs> no, it, it's just really interesting because I think that, like, this awareness is what most people don't want to have. Yeah. Because that means you have to literally change things about yourself. Yeah. You know? Or take responsibility for, for more things. So, to wrap up, is there something that you wish you could just tell every parent or every kid just a big general piece of advice that may help the perfectionist situation. Well, I just want to make it clear that it's not a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that is the number one thing is to make it. Oh, like we have to dismantle the idea that it's not okay. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, 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 it's not why you're successful. It's not, you know, an indicator of how long you'll be successful for. Mm, that's a good and one. it's also not realistic. It creates this, unbelievable rigid all or nothing thinking meanwhile the life is nothing but the gray and this will affect your relationships this will affect your relationship with yourself your relationship with your money like very all or nothing yeah um and you know it's just this idea that you can't ever not be all together yeah and that is also unbelievably unrealistic yeah because like no one's all together (laughs) all the time you know what? I don't think anyone's all together any other time. Yeah. Like, I think that I, I, think I, I think that life is nothing but a gray area. Yeah. And if you can adapt and be flexible, you can get through more transitions. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, I completely believe this in yoga. And I bring yoga out to, like, all of my, like, yoga, meditation, like, anything that causes you to just sit still and just mm. be. Yeah. Like, that is the hardest thing for people to do is to just be. Yes. Like, in yoga, like, you don't know, you don't walk in, you know, the studio one day and know how to do a handstand. You have to trust the process that you're going to get there. Yeah. And if you walk in and you walk out because you don't think you're good enough, you also are afraid to try. And that's the thing with kids is, like, you've made children just afraid to try something and not be good at it, you know? And I think there's a lot of factors why, like I said, like, money and time and, you know, family status and all of that. But the one thing you have to, I think, to have, like, a healthy parent-child dynamic is that make it okay to try and not do great yeah and not even be attached to doing right not at all like it's okay to make a mistake you have to give a kid a chance to be their age you can't put unrealistic age you know expectations on your kid like the shit i've heard from parents is wild like the neat like disappointing like i hear like when i have a young kid they're like oh like i'm a giant disappointment to my parents like i'm just like meanwhile all the things they do goes dismissed yeah because because they're so general yeah and also like i said you're doing all these things all the time there's Why a bonus would you question. Stop? Bonus question. Because I just thought of it. And even like with Charlie, put on Sesame Street. And there's like Sesame Street baby and toddler meditation. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend that parents take those mindfulness practices to their kids? I actually taught. I worked at a, a, a camp once for kids that were affected by uh, Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we're ki- all these kids. And I did an hour yoga class with 16 to 20 kids ages 5 to 12. And they loved it. Dude, kids love it. Parents think that they wouldn't, but look at your daughter now. She's listening to music. She's just vibing. You put on, like, like chilled out music. You just tell that kid to just chill. Yeah. They only don't think that... I mean, like, okay, kids hyperactive. Yeah, of course, absolutely. But if you teach a young kid that, like, you have to take a time out, like, for yourself at a young age, like, that's the personality piece. But for, like, a perfectionist kid, like, a perfectionist kid... They need to, again, live in the gray area and have an idea that, like, something could come yeah. in and I don't have to do anything yeah. about it. 
right? Like, no, but I for sure would love it if more kids practice meditation. Yeah, I think that, and we talk about that with Charlie, yeah. like, she's young, so yeah. she doesn't pay any attention to anything, but they we put on, like, the Sesame Street one, and I was showing her, like, big breath in, yeah. big breath out, and I was watching videos of, like, somebody saying, like, when you're feeling, when a kid is, like, all worked up, to say... Okay, now tense up your body like raw spaghetti and now cook spaghetti. Like, yeah. to have them, like, breathing techniques. And um, I, I hope more people start doing that with their kids because just meditation allows you to be okay with your thoughts. Absolutely. And, and to, to control be, your breath. Like you said, yeah. And, like, that's, again, like, why I love yoga so much because literally some things in life we can only focus and control our breath. Like, yeah. 100% from, like, parents and kids that anyone that's like afraid of flying yeah, like okay yeah. like you can only breathe through it and that even if you don't want to take a flight what if you need a cat scan one day yeah. you know like it doesn't matter you know what i mean like if you need an mri like your fears always come up eventually we yeah. can't avoid them yeah so you know i that's another thing i see all the time with kids they're anxious in social situations and then they tense up and then they have stomach problems yeah, and their yeah. mom's mad at them because then they have to go to the bathroom all the time. Yes. Like this is like a huge cycle. Yeah. I've seen that too. Yeah. So if you could teach kids to control their breath, they feel like they could control something. Yeah. So much of what I'm talking about today is when kids don't have control yeah. over much. Because kids don't have control over anything. They're exactly. always being carted around. Okay. Yeah. Get up. Go to yeah. school. Go to practice. Go to this. Right. Go to that. Do your homework. Eat at this time. Go to sleep at this time. Wake up and do it all again. Yeah. So like what do they do when they feel stressed? We have to teach them how to even recognize that they're yeah, feeling stress. Absolutely. And a huge thing is to a parent to realize that, like, I, I honestly believe this. I'm like, if you think you're, if your kid is stressed out, what do you, like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Like, like, you know, it's also the idea to have some humility to be like, okay, I'm going to change something. Yeah, yeah. No, because like you said, a kid feeds off your energy. And I'll just give one example before we wrap up. Charlie, she's a horrible sleeper, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, but at one point I found myself losing my patience and just putting her down and leaving. And like, she was getting so upset. She's not like the cried out type. And so I meditated with Joe and we were just trying to consider like what we can do for her better. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think we need to check ourselves because I noticed lately it's starting to get to me and I'm giving out this energy that I don't want her picking up. So I've been working on that and she's like, she's picking up my energy in a different way now. And, you know, that's something I hope more parents can start to do in whatever situation. And I took, I'm not taking responsibility. Like, maybe I could have taught her how to sleep better. I don't know. But I know that I can control the way I react when she wakes up screaming at night. And if I'm like, Charlie, what's going on? If I'm all worked up, she's only going to get more of worked up. She's only a baby. <laughs> and even a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, when your parents are stressed, you're stressed. You pick up on that. You don't know why, maybe, but, like, you're going to be stressed. Like, my mom was stressed, and I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? Like, you know. And most kids, like, just make it stop. Yeah. Right? And even, like, what you said, Charlie, she's like, well, I bet, like, hit her head, like, well, I don't want to not, like, I don't know what's going on either. You know, like, yeah. I don't want to feel like this. Like, yeah. Kids can't, especially, they can't tell you. And that's the thing with, with kids. It's like, when their anxiety comes out, it always comes out in physical symptoms. Yeah. They have stomach aches, headaches, they shake, like, kids tap, like, you know, like, some rock back and forth. Like, all yeah. of this is just the idea that they they can't say, hi, this teacher puts me on edge. Or like, yeah. I like being in a room with all these people makes me nervous. Yeah. And then because like, you're supposed to be in school, like we have this birthday party and I just want them to fit in. Yeah. And most of the time it's like, well, that's not your kid. Yeah. And that's not my job is to make your kid fit into like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have to make this kid. Yeah. Like breathe through symptoms. And that's how I always see it. It's like always control your breath. I'm a huge believer in like deep breathing. I always do that. Yeah. Um, identifying your emotions and being able to say it out loud. Um, but like sometimes I'm like, well, okay, maybe you're going to skip this party. Like, I don't know. Like, is it really worth it? Is it really yeah. worth this kid's three hour, you know, activation meltdown? meltdown. Yeah. And okay, I get it that like we have to be forced to go to things, but like not everything. Yes, yeah. yeah. Because now look, we don't want to do <laughs> exactly. shit, and we feel bad about it. And now we have to we have to do research <laughs> as to why it's okay to say no. Right. You know, as an adult, when meanwhile it's always been okay to say yeah. no. Kids don't know that that that's a that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Like how many posts do you see on Instagram, right? Where right. it's like how to set boundaries, like why it's okay to say no. Like now we're like, wow, yeah, it's okay to say no. Instead of making plans and hoping they get canceled, yeah. you know, it's okay yeah. to just be like, no, nah, I'm good. But I think me and you are good with that. Yeah. We're like, I just don't have the energy today. Right. No, and no, it's I'm good. fine. Like, yeah. It's cool. Um, this has been amazing. <laughs> I'm glad. I definitely think we should do a part two at some yeah. point because I have a hundred thousand more questions. Um, but thank you for doing this. Oh, no, my pleasure. I appreciate it. And um, 
follow Michelle. What's your Instagram? I mean, it's not like clinical at all. Oh, okay. Well, you can follow her for <laughs> pictures of her uh, parents' dog and of her cozy apartment. <laughs> yeah. And um, we're going to have Michelle back, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening again. If you like this episode, if you like this podcast, please connect with me. I want to hear all about it. I want to hear what you're liking, what you're wanting to hear more of. Connect with me on Instagram and share, you know, screenshots, share in your stories, tag me. And if you really like the episode and the podcast, I would love and appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave me some ratings and reviews, comments, anything you want. It definitely helps me to continue to build and grow on this platform, which I'm just having so much fun with. Thank you guys. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.